please remember that if you read scripture where it seems to put God in a place of being in a bad light or uncaring or unforgiving or unloving, then you're interpreting it wrong because God is light and God is love and God is forgiving and he loves his children. He loves you so much that he sent his son to come and die for you, to die on a cross so that you have forgiveness of sin. Welcome to Under the Fig Tree. Under the Fig Tree is a verse-by-verse study taught by Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We are currently studying through the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. Here's Pastor Jeff. Verse 33 is Paul the Apostle from the city of Ephesus was writing to this church who was only about five, six years old after he had established this church on his second missionary journey. And so as he's writing to them, We read in verse 33 that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Or did the word of God come originally from you, or was it you only that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Then in chapter 15, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. Of course, if you've been with us over the last several weeks in 1 Corinthians, in this section that consists of chapters 12, 13, and 14, We have been in this section of 1 Corinthians that deals with spiritual matters, or that is, with the spiritual gifts. And Paul began that section, as you recall, in chapter 12 by saying, Brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. And in chapter 12, what he did was he explained to us that there are a diversity of gifts, that is, different gifts that the Holy Spirit desires to give to you and I as believers. There are differences of ministry, different ministries that we're called to do within the body of Christ, and then there's diversity of activities. That is, the, the gifts that we have are going to be used in different ways. If I have the gift of teaching, it's going to be used maybe differently in, in my ministry that God has called me to do, expounding on teaching on the Word of God. As I'm a senior pastor here teaching the Word of God, then if somebody has the gift of teaching, perhaps being used to teach in a small group or, or to youth or something like that. And so we talked about those things quite extensively as we went through chapter 12, understanding this, that you and I as believers, that as we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, come to him in faith, understanding that Jesus died for our sins, was buried and rose again, that he is our Savior, then we are baptized into the body of Christ. And as members of the body of Christ, we have unity, but there's diversity in each of us being different members. And God desires for us 
to have different gifts that we can be used of, which he pleases to give us those gifts, and he will give us those gifts as he wills so that we can be used to minister in the body of Christ, that the body of Christ may function in the way that it's supposed to. So that was kind of the main thrust and the main message that Paul had for us, wanting us to understand that in chapter 12. And he would say at the end of that chapter, desire the best gifts, but, but I show you a more excellent way, and that is the way of love. And in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, he would explain to us about agape love, God's love, giving us that description of God's love, and again, making the priority in our lives of loving God and loving one another. That love is superior to all the spiritual gifts. Not that the spiritual gifts aren't important, but those spiritual gifts are not to be emphasized in a manner to where uh, it is um, overemphasizing that is love. That you and I, as, as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, are to understand that the greatest thing is love. The greatest commandment given to you and I as Christians is to love God and to love others. And so we went through that, and it was a very wonderful chapter that we saw there in chapter 13. And then in chapter 14, we, as we covered the first 33 verses last week, that Paul would give guidelines to the Corinthians concerning the use of spiritual gifts in the corporate gathering of believers. And so we learned that the gift of tongues, as he spoke of last week, that it is man speaking to God. That is, tongues is going to be given praise to God, is going to be given thanks to God, magnifying God as that gift is exercised. And then the interpretation of tongues is going to reflect that. He would also talk about the use of prophecy in the corporate gathering of believers, and that prophecy is God speaking to man, and it's going to bring edification, exhortation, and comfort to the body of Christ. And we saw last time that Paul would emphasize the use of prophecy in the corporate gathering of believers because everyone is edified when there is understanding, but he would also then give us guidelines for the use of tongues in the corporate meetings, let two or three at the most, each in order, take turn, and then there needs to be an interpretation. And again, we talked about what that proper interpretation would be. If there is prophecy, let each be in turn, and let the leadership of the church be ones that would judge that prophecy. And that's where we left off last time. And in verse 33, as we read this morning, Paul would say, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. And so let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Now, I understand that as I teach verse by verse, I can't skip these verses. And, and um, you know, it, it can be difficult sometimes. Somebody asked me if I was going to get a ride home after the services this morning. But... And all kidding aside, what can happen is when we read verses like this, there can be the immediate reaction of, well, you know, Paul was just nothing more than a chauvinist, and he had a bad attitude about women and their place in the church. And Paul was single, so he's going to have that. So there's kind of a dismissing of this, or uh, guards are up, or red flags go up, or whatever but here's something I hope that will help us understand. And one of the things that is beneficial as we go through 
the scriptures verse by verse is that we're going to keep everything in context and that it's going to help us understand everything better. And then also we need to understand that, that first of all, that Paul is writing these things to the church at Corinth. Remember that he is not just given his own view here or his own reasons or his own opinions. Paul here is being inspired by the Spirit of God to write these things down. And a verse that is very important for you and I to mark in our Bibles and to remember in our hearts is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. I think that every Christian today should understand that verse, that when Paul writes to Timothy and he says, all scripture, not some scripture, but he says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, or that is God-breathed, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So it's important for us to understand and remember that Paul here, as he's writing this letter, that he is inspired by the Spirit of God to write these things down. Matter of fact, as we read our text already this morning, we saw that Paul said, for you who are spiritual, for you who are mature, for you who, who really understand, you know that these things are the commandments of the Lord. Second of all, I do not buy into the argument that Paul was just a bitter old bachelor who hated women or had a bad attitude towards women and was threatened by their exercise of them using gifts in the church, the spiritual gifts. I see from Scripture, as you look at his epistles, the Pauline epistles, as you look at the book of Acts, that there were a number of women who traveled with Paul, who ministered alongside of Paul. And these women helped Paul in the ministry and would co-labor with him in the ministry. When you read, for example, in Romans chapter 16, Paul greets the saints there in Rome. And many of them that he is greeting, he addresses uh, women there. And Paul, as we read that chapter, he expresses his gratitude for them in the ministry, his appreciation, his respect for their ministry, co-laboring with him in the furtherance of the gospel. So I believe that Paul had great respect and love and, you know, you know, he admired those who were ministering alongside of him, those who were women. He had warmth and praise for their work and respect for their work in the ministry in the body of Christ. Thirdly, we need to remember that Paul has already defended the rights of women to pray and prophesy in the church gathering. Remember that in chapter 11? And as we went over that chapter of this epistle, chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, Paul points out that when a woman prays or prophesies in the congregation, that she should do it with a head covering. And we discussed, again, quite carefully and extensively what all that was about as we covered that chapter. So Paul is declaring here that a woman is not to speak but to keep silent. He is not referring to women not praying in the church or prophesying in the church because he's already made allowances for that clear back in chapter 11. So you say, Pastor, what is he saying? And, and, and why is he saying this? Take note of this. In verse 34, let your women keep silent. Verse 35, and if they want to learn something, then let them ask their own husbands at home. You see, many scholars and, and, and uh, commentators believe that the early church here followed the pattern of the Jewish synagogue. So the men would sit on one side of the church and the women would sit on the other side. Now in church today, when couples come in, they sit next to each other, don't they? And if I say something that, that perhaps you know, the, the wife might whisper in the ear of her husband sitting next to who, you know, her, saying, you know, what did he say? Or what did he mean by that? 
Or maybe perhaps they might write a little note, you know, what did he mean? Or I don't agree with that, or whatever it might be. But it wasn't that way 2,000 years ago. And here in the church of Corinth, with your husband on the other side, if you didn't understand something, what was happening apparently is, again, as Paul is saying, here's some guidelines in the corporate meaning of believers. There's, there's the manifestation of these gifts, but it's not being done decently and in order. And, and here is perhaps this, the, the, the wives that are calling over to their husbands on the other side of the room. And it was bringing disruption to the service. And so Paul here, in, as he says, the word for speak, it has the meaning of chattering or talking or conversation or, or question or argue even. So it, it is believed that a, a man's wife would call over, Hey, Joe, you know, what did he mean by that? Or, Hey, Bill, you know, I don't agree with that. And Paul here is saying, don't do that in the church. Keep silent, this chattering and asking questions in the church meeting, because it is very disruptive. God is not the author of confusion. So if she does have a question, she is to ask her husband when he gets home, so not to bring interruption. And it very well could be that. But also what Paul could be talking about could be, as we keep everything in context, follow the flow of what Paul is saying here. He is saying, if there is the use of tongues in the corporate meeting, let it be done decently and in order, two at three at most, and there needs to be an interpretation. If not, then keep silent. If there is prophecy given, let the leadership of the church judge the prophecy that has been given. Now, with that in mind, and then also chapter 11, as we saw, that we saw that Paul would talk about when there is a, a, a divine order that is in the home, that in the church, that recall that he said that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So there's a definite order of headship, leadership in God's plan. And again, as we looked at that chapter and discussed that, Paul wasn't talking about that the man is better than the woman or the woman is inferior to the man, not at all. But he's talking about that there's an order that God has ordained when it comes to the husband and to the wife, when it comes to the church leadership. And we discuss what it means to lead. All of us are called to submit. Submitting to one another in the fear of God, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. So all of us are in a role of submitting to the Lord. And then he would go on to say that wives, you submit to your own husbands. And husbands, you're to love your wives as Christ loved the church. And we discuss what it means to lead. It, it means cherishing and loving. It means serving. It means, you know, protecting and covering, and that's what it means to lead. And so I do not see in the scripture where it teaches that God favors the man over the woman, but God has set up a definite order that we might be blessed in our homes and in our lives, in our marriages, and in the church so that there is no confusion. God is not the author of confusion. And if there is debate going on, if there is fighting going on in the home, in the church, who is the head? Who will take the lead in being a spiritual leader, providing that covering and protection, husband, for your family? If the husband and wife are fighting over that position, it will lead to confusion. So those are the things that we talked about. Husbands, loving your wife, loving her as you lay down your life for her, doing it in humility, doing it in a way that you're cherishing her, doing it in a way that you're serving her. That's how Christ loved us. You're willing to lay down your life for her. And as you do those things, she's going to be wanting and willing 
and desiring to submit to you as unto the Lord, as Ephesians chapter 5 says. So with that in mind here, that the man is to be leading, and, and the Lord, I believe, desires for the men to be leading in the church. So that the woman, not that she can't pray or prophesy and minister with power and effectiveness in the church, but God has established a clear chain of authority in the home and also in the church. So getting back now to chapter 14, I believe that perhaps that what Paul is saying here is, is he inserts this in this chapter, that let the leadership judge the prophecy Remember that we're looking at this whole area of order that's in the church and, and, and decency in the church and guidelines given in the church when it comes to the, the gifts of tongues and interpretations and prophecy in the corporate gathering. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. So Paul now inserts this comment about women speaking in corporate meeting. Perhaps they were yelling over and they were given the judging of the prophecy or whatever it might be. But whatever was going on, there seems to be that there is disruption going on in the corporate gathering of believers, either in the judging of the prophecy or perhaps wives that were yelling across the room to their husbands. And so Paul says, that this ought not to be. We don't want to bring confusion in the corporate gathering. So Paul's anticipating, I think, perhaps response to this and reaction of some. So in verse 36, Or did the word of God come originally from you, or was it you only that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. So Paul is indicating to us that there were some, both men and women, that had challenged what Paul was writing and instructing. And there were those in the church that were determined to follow their own principles and standards regardless of what the Lord had commanded. And it was not only the women, but the men as well. And in their pride and arrogance, there was this challenging of Paul's apostolic ministry. And it happened particularly with the church at Corinth. We see that very clearly as we see Paul's second letter to the Corinthian believers. In 2 Corinthians, Paul spent much of that letter defending his apostolic ministry. They were following after false apostles and prophets that had come into the church. And those false apostles were saying, Paul's not a true apostle. Don't listen to him. Don't follow after him. And so Paul was always defending his apostolic ministry here to the church at Corinth. And it was some in the church at Corinth, they wanted to decide what was right and wrong. And that's a dangerous thing. For a Christian, for a church to do, when there is a disregarding of the word of God and deciding what is right and what is wrong on your own. And yet, sadly enough, we are seeing that mindset increasingly uh, more in the church today. There are those putting themselves above scripture, either by ignoring scripture or interpreting it in a way that fits their position. Uh, there are more and more pastors and teachers behind the pulpit, sadly enough, that really don't believe much of the Word of God. They do not believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. They don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, even as, even as Paul is going to discuss when we get there in a few minutes as we enter into chapter 15. There are those who don't believe that Jesus is coming back. There are increasingly more pastors and ministry leaders, sadly today, that don't believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. So they basically ignore it. Or it's open to interpretation on their own terms or whatever it might be. And Paul here to the Corinthians, I think he's being a little bit sarcastic with them. Hey, did only the Word of God come to you? 
Are you the only ones that have the truth? And we need to keep in mind that no believer, no church has the right to overrule, ignore, or alter God's word. And so Paul then says, if you're truly mature, if you're really spiritual, if you truly claim to be a prophet, then you're going to know that the things that I write to you come from the Lord. These are his commandments. So if you come to me after the service and say, well, I don't like what was written there in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. If you come to me after any of the services, after we have a teaching of God's word, or at any time that you might think as you read your Bible that I didn't like what was written there, then your beef isn't with me or with anybody else. It is with the Lord. Because these are the commandments of God. And all scripture is inspired by God. And you might say, well, I don't like what God says here, what we read this morning. I want you to remember this, and hopefully this will help you. As we go over verses that sometimes you think and and you get a negative reaction or whatever it might be, that remember that this is truth given to us. And understand and know that the heart of God and the mind of God is that he wants what is best for you and for me, to live life the way it was meant to be lived. To live life in truth. And Jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. To, to live in the fullness of what the Lord desires for us to experience in his joy and his peace and, and his comfort. He doesn't want us to live life in confusion or being burdened or in bondage. So he says, here are my commandments. Now, 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, another verse that is very important that has meant a lot to me in my life that when John writes there that this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So God's commandments are not burdensome to you and to me. It's not to hold you in bondage. It's not that God wants to be a killjoy and ruin your life and for you to be miserable. He gives his commandments to you, and his commandments are expression of his love. Every single commandment that the Lord gives to you and to me through his word is an expression of his love and so that we might be free, so that we might experience life in the fullness of how he desires for us to live in having that comfort and peace and and being free to live for him and having strength because we're walking in his ways which are good. You see, if you walk in ways contrary to the way of the Lord, that's what's going to bring bondage That's what's going to be burdensome. We're seeing that very clearly on Wednesday nights as we go through the book of Judges as they did what was right in their own eyes. So please remember that if you read Scripture where it seems to put God in a place of being in a bad light or uncaring or unforgiving or unloving, then you're interpreting it wrong because God is light and God is love and God is forgiving and He loves His children. He loves you so much that he sent his son to come and die for you, to die on a cross so that you have forgiveness of sin, that we might be in heaven with him for all eternity. So this book that we read and study so carefully on Sunday mornings is truth, and we need to read it carefully and take heed to it. You don't need me up here giving you my opinions and my philosophy on life and my stance on this, but rather God has called me to give you the word of God and what it has to say, and that's what is important. So I am concerned that in the church today, increasingly, we're seeing more and more of a dumbing down or disregard of the Word of God or a challenging of the Word of God. 
Paul addressing Timothy, some of the last words that the apostle would write that we have recorded in the New Testament. 2 Timothy chapter 4, Timothy preached the word, be ready in season and out of season, convict, rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering and teaching, for the time will come, not that the time might come, but the time is going to come, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. You be watchful in all things. Paul said that the time will come where sound doctrine is not going to be desired anymore. And there's going to be a lot of people with itchy ears. And parents, I want to say this, that oftentimes what happens is if... if we come and we bring our families and there's the teaching of the word of God it won't always appeal to the flesh but the thing is is that it's vitally important for us to be grounded in the word of God today because there's a lot of deception that's out there there's a lot of voices that are out there thank you for joining us on under the fig tree if you would like a copy of today's study please call us and ask for the message with today's date Our phone number is 970-330-1717. That number again, 970-330-1717. If you prefer, you can write us at 2602 West 27th Street, Greeley, Colorado, 80634. You can also visit us online at ccgreeley.com. Under the Fig Tree is brought to you by Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We invite you to join with us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. and our Wednesday evening service at 7 p.m. Please join with us next time as we continue to study the Bible together on Under the Fig Tree.